Welcome back to the OWASP podcast. have to admit that this episode was a little bit of a guilty pleasure. I got to speak to two of the leaders of the OWASP Caraza project, JP and JC. What is OWASP Caraza? Well, I could say stay tuned and you'll find out, but to tease it just a little bit, it's a fresh look at WAFs or web application firewalls. The project team is doing some pretty amazing stuff with some very modern technologies such as the Go programming language and WASM or WebAssembly. So enough teasing, let's start the episode. Enjoy. Hi, it's Matt Tassaro and I'm here with JC and JP, just to make it interesting. And we're talking about OWASP Caraza. It's a WAF and much more. And I've seen the project. I like writing Go and it's in Go. So of course it caught my eye. I haven't had a chance to play with it much, but I wanted to get these guys on to talk about it and give everybody an update on where it's at and what's going on. So I guess let's start. I'm starting left to right on my screen. So JC, you want to give a quick introduction to yourself and your background and, and where you're coming from? Sure. I'm Jose Carlos, but people used to call me JC. I work as a software engineer at the trade. We do a lot of cool stuff on top of service mesh. I'm located in Barcelona, by the way. My background is that I have been working in observability for five years or something like that. Then I moved into security and aiming for releasing a core rule set into the mesh world. That's how I ended up in Coraza. I am now a Coraza co-leader, along with Juan Pablo and uh, Felipe. Somehow it's a Latino leadership project, which is cool <laughs> as well. Yeah, um, that works. And so, so, yeah. So JP, you want to give us a little bit of background on you? Yeah, sure. My name is Juan Pablo Toso. I'm the author and co-leader of Coraza. My background is strong in cybersecurity and development. I've been working on the Corasa project for the past four years. I work as a research engineer at Traceable. So my main focus right now is API security. Thank you for having us here. Oh, yeah. No, I was glad to, I was glad to get you. JC and I kind of bumped into each other on OWASP Slack, and that's where this all got started. So go Slack, bringing us together. So I guess the first place to start or the most logical place to start is like, what is OWASP Caraza? What is the problem that it solves? What was the itch you were scratching when you started writing this thing? So Caraza was born directly as a replacement for mod security. The first idea was to improve some points that were issues for enterprise integrations of mod security. For example, handling audit logs, some custom body processors, and also issues with performance. So the design wouldn't allow us to improve performance without a major refactors. So also it was really hard to get PRs into mod security. So the idea came naturally as a replacement. And in time we had, I don't, I don't know if call it luck, but mod security spider labs announced the end of life of mod security. So we basically became super interesting for many companies that uh, had, that were forced to replace mod security. Right now, our I, I think we're going as a replacement, but we have the responsibility to evolve. So mod security is solving an old problem, early 2000s problem. And we have to bring the web open source web application firewall 
to new concepts. I mean, there are so many new things right now, machine learning into WAFs, next generation web application firewalls, so many new data structures, uh, web sockets, GraphQL, there's so much. And we have to allow our technology to be compatible with it. And of course, it's super important that we rely on the core rule set, the OWASP core rule set, because AWAF is just an engine to support HTTP transactions, but we need some rule set to tell us what is a vulnerability. Yeah, it's a little little hard to protect something with a blank chalkboard, right? Exactly. <laughs> that rule set's <laughs> rather handy. As Juan Pablo said, one of the, let's say, one of the, the strong points about Coraza uh, compared to mod security is that the, we just got into the into the business of WAF, and we have new fresh ideas. We want to do lots of integrations with new technologies, adapting to the new world, right? To this zero trust architecture world, to the cloud native world. That's how I ended up in Corasa, for example, looking for a, a way to leverage this into the into the service mesh. And I, of course, I won't lie. I, I first approached mode security because that was like the the popular project, and then. Uh, I ended up realizing that the Corasa community was more welcoming in that sense in mod security. I guess due to they are sunsetting the project and all that, they were not that interested in, in, in do these crazy changes to, to make it happen in cloud native, whereas Corasa was accepting that. So yeah, that, that's cool. Awesome. And this is somewhat driven by my own curiosity, but also I'm sure our listeners also have the same question. If you're curious about Carrazzo, what's a quick and easy way to to start to play around with it? Because I don't know about you, but whenever I see new tech that's cool, the first thing I want to do is pull something down and start you know, fiddling with it. So what's a couple ways for people to sort of get their hands dirty <laughs> playing around with OWASP Carrazzo? Our playground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We, we have a nice playground, which is one of the good things about the playground is that getting into implementation details is that we managed to compile Corasa, which is a Go project, into WebAssembly. So basically, we run the Corasa engine in the front end, which is that we don't need a server or a backend to do the evaluations. That was a cool thing we did in the last poll wall. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I've been excited about WebAssembly. This is the first time I've seen a more than just a trivial like, hey, I'm playing use with it. And I'm assuming then getting Go to compile into WebAssembly was not a problem. Obviously, it's working. Was there any interesting wrinkles on that? Just mostly for my own curiosity. The thing was that ever since we started digging into how to compile Coraz into WebAssembly, we did a lot of changes. And as I said, one of the good parts about Coraz is that Coraz was willing to take that risk, right? To change the libraries, to change some design, to change some code to, to make that happen. So once we had that to compile to WebAssembly for proxies like Envoy or Istio service mesh, compiling for the front end was truly easy. And actually we did it in a couple of hours, right, Juan Pablo? We met the three co-leaders in, in Valencia and we just said like, hey, I have this crazy idea. Shall we do this? And we did it. Yeah, but, uh, don't be humble on that. Actually, it didn't took long to make it compatible, but it was a massive work from your side. Yeah, so it, we had many optimizations on Corasa that weren't compatible with TinyGo. So, and also, mm. some optimizations that will run on Corasa will be slow for TinyGo, the WebAssembly compiler. So they did a great job at debugging and changing things and creating building uh, building tags so it behaves properly depending on the compiler. 
Oh, that's interesting. So it does make sense you're using tiny Go for that, which is for people who who aren't like knee deep in the Go world or neck deep. Tiny Go is a sort of a variant of Go that is really more focused at embedded, although they do do web assembly as well. And it is a, a subset of what the you know traditional Go language provides. So I could see there being some very interesting wrinkles. If you didn't originally target tiny Go, well, that had to be fascinating. I bet that was, oh, and in, in a lot of work. <laughs> Usually the yeah, good yeah. stuff isn't isn't quick. Where is the project currently and, and where are you headed? Like, I see there's a version two and there's also a, hey, version three is coming soon. You know, as somebody who's looking and investigating the project, what do I need to know about sort of the state of affairs for Caraza as it stands like right now today and, and where it's going to be in some period of time in the future? I think like most open source projects, we struggle to reach some goals, some dates. It's not easy to say, hey, next week we're releasing V3, but with a lot of effort, uh, we have already released the second release candidate for Corasa V3. It's a complete rework of Corasa V2, Mm. way faster, way faster, way easier to implement. The APIs, I think they won't receive any more major change between the final release and now, probably just a small tweaks that won't affect end users, but we're on a super active development and we are working hard to chip the version chip three as soon as possible. I've done lots of open source and I get you, like it's done when it's done and there isn't a timetable because no one's writing you a check and gonna fire you (laughs) if you don't provide it by Friday, right? But I, I get that. It's just, to me, I've always liked to understand when I'm talking to an open source project, like their vision, like what's next. Even if I you can't give me a timeline, it's really yeah. interesting to hear sort of where you're working towards. So right now we have been working hard on get some API so people can start writing plugins for Corasa. We did a last experimental package because one of the core values in Corasa was accessibility. We don't want to only like constrain ourselves or just stay statically at core rule set. We wanna like actually support more use cases, different use cases. Uh, and given that we have some different environments where we are willing to deploy Corasa, we need to be flexible in terms of what we provide. For example, some of the operators that we have at Corasa, for example, the regex operator, we have that in the standard library, which is pure Go. But if you go into WebAssembly and you're looking for performance, then you go other, you, you need another uh, library. So you should be flexible enough. So we have been tailoring this experimental package to to open our API for plugins. We have a submission for the summer of code for a plugin or rate limiting based on that API. There are integrations coming because people want to uh, redirect or forward the audit logs into open telemetry. So yeah, extensibility is one of the goals for before. Also, maybe custom rules, not necessarily constrain ourselves to, to core rules, but have support for rules, programmatic rules as first class. So I, I would say that's what is coming for Corasa. That's what we are preparing for. B3 is a glue version between the original idea of do a drop-in replacement for mod security to now a solid WAF with own features and with extensibility. So that brings up a a great question that I had as well. This is probably, I'm assuming our listeners are also wondering this. So in my mind, when I think of mod security, it started out as an Apache module, right? And then it also became Nginx friendly, if I recall correctly. And so does Caraza require like being part of a different piece of software to deploy? Like, do I deploy it by itself? 
Is it just a, is it a plug into another web server? What, what are the different ways I can use either currently or in the future Caraza to, to provide some WAF functionality for me to watch my traffic? Well, I think the more, most stable module right now to implement Caraza is the Envoy connector developed by JC and his team. It's a really great alternative. It works on WebAssembly and it provides full Corasa capabilities and CRS compatibility to the service mesh world. Envoy also serves proxy. We also have a CADI connector, but we have an internal discussion whether it's a stable project or not. We don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, we, we, need some, we need some care and love. <laughs> Yeah, because a lot of people is using it and there are many users and it works, but sometimes it doesn't. So <laughs> you get it works until it doesn't. Yeah. You, you get a few bugs to shake out of that guy, I guess. Yeah, we uh, do. Yeah. Also, we have a super experimental module that I think in, at one point will be really interesting, which is the um, HA proxy connector which uses SPOA protocol. So basically it's a server that connects to HA proxy and tells it whether it, it should accept or your transactions. It has many users, but it shouldn't because it's really experimental. But <laughs> <laughs> at some point, I, th I think it would be a, a nice project. And we have many discussions around future compatibility with Apache and, and Nginx, but right now it actually seems far away. It, it is possible. We are studying the possibilities, but we need a bigger team and we need a lot of time to, to make that work. Well, and you're, yeah, you're having to bridge the, the C to Go gap as well, right? If you're doing Nginx and Apache, I don't know what kind of integration either of those web servers provide. In my, my, in my brain, it's you write C code, right? But obviously this isn't C code, this is Go. So have you- yeah, we, we, we have been discussing that lately because definitely Nginx is a big market and we don't want to miss out. Although there are some challenges. CGO is a challenge itself. CGO also started as a, a way to migrate uh, people from different languages supporting libraries that Go didn't have natively. So yeah, it's not something that is supported as first class. Actually, Go changed the default flags to not to run C Go by default, starting from version 1.16 or something like that, I think. So yeah, it doesn't sound like something that could be supported first class, but definitely we are looking for ways to integrate with Nginx. I was, I actually today at QCom exactly had a chat with the Nginx booth talk about, okay, how can we integrate this? Yeah, there, there, there are some interesting insights there. But uh, as, I, as, as Juan Pablo said, like right now we are, because of uh, this is the opportunity, right? We're focusing on cloud native uh, software, Kadi, Envoy, Istio, Envoy Gateway is also coming. And there is this hub proxy connector as well that needs some care, but it's also in the radar. So yeah, at some point we will get it. I guess, but it, it's not trivial. That's why we haven't done that yet. Ah, sure. Now, well, the integrations with other software are, let's just be nice and call it fun, right? Because you have two moving targets. You have your moving body of code and somebody else's moving body of code yeah. that have to play nice, which can be very interesting. Actually, if someone is interested on why SIGO is so challenging, I have a slide deck somewhere about why not to use SIGO. <laughs> nice. Well, and, and if you'd like, uh, send me the link and I'll, I'll post it in the show notes happily. Awesome. And by the way, the best thing that will happen to us 
it is that Apache and Nginx embraces WebAssembly with the proxy WASM standard. That will be the best because it will be a straightforward integration for Grasa. Yeah. yeah, I would presume the same WebAssembly then that you're using on the Kubernetes side and like for your playground could just be dropped into both of those. There are also some movement in Apache, like for example, VMware released this module for supporting WebAssembly in um, in Apache, like as a mod WebAssembly, not WASM is it called. It's a different approach, but it's coming. I mean, more and more, because how can you migrate all software? It's not trivial, right? For example, how do you put a proper WAF after mod security deprecation in, in Nginx or in Apache? So they are also moving towards extensibility to WebAssembly because you're also looking in process integration, right? You don't want to be out of process. So yeah, let's see. Let's see. WebAssembly landscape is, is growing. WebAssembly just in and of itself fascinates me. It's a, such a really cool technology. When it when I first read about it, I thought, oh, this is this is going to be fun. It's going to take a while, mind you, for it to sort of spread. But I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. The cool stuff. Yeah, just as a side note, uh, WebAssembly, one of the big advantages of WebAssembly is like it's a safe environment. It runs a virtual machine as a runtime that has no access to file system if you don't want, it has no access to sockets if you don't want, like, and if it crashes, it crashes on its own. So it's it's truly suitable for security software, I would say. I think WebAssembly has a lot of potential in security world as well. Awesome. I'm assuming then too, if I'm a Go developer, I could use your Caraza as almost like a module to just add to my existing Go web app. Is that true? Yeah, um, we have a middleware. Nice. Yeah, and the middleware is uses the same standard HTTP library. So basically, you wrap your handler into Caraza and it automatically works. Nice. Oh, that's super cool. So very easy integration for existing Go web app developers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. You said this is beginning to, to get quite popular and it didn't hurt you that mod security deprecated themselves. What does the community look like? Like how, where are you getting contributions from? Where could you use some more contributions? What, what's going on with the, the sort of the community side of things? We just reached a thousand stars, so we're really happy. <laughs> yes. I think we are seven active developers. We create, I think, about right now, like five PRs per week. It used to be more, but we're going at a, at a great pace as a community. We work really hard to make everyone part of it. I mean, all decisions are completely public available on Slack or on GitHub issues and discussions. There are no arbitrary decisions. And we have a strong focus on require on use cases. I mean, if you have a use case, and you, your use case makes sense to the community and to, to us, uh, your feature is going to be integrated. I mean, we we re really think that if something uh, is useful for your for your project, uh, let, let's get it in, into Corasa. Also, our plugins architecture allows us to embed new technology into Corasa without affecting the core. So it's easy to add new things in external repositories and just um, uh, reference them on a readme. I was about to say that lately we have more and more contribution from people outside the core team. And that's really interesting because there are people who want to integrate Corasa with different technologies, with Fluentbit, with OpenTelemetry. There are people who want to uh, run, for example, the other day we created this Corasa proxy wasm and, and then 
uh, we, we had Envoy as vision and, and Istio mainly uh, in, in the vision of uh, proxy was. But then someone show up and say like, yeah, I use in Kubernetes. So I need another another image based on restoreless. So I can use it in my Kubernetes deployment. And we were like, yeah, we never thought of that, but it will work. And, and this guy created a distribution and then it ended up solving a problem we had at my company as well. So it was cool. That's I think that's the, the cool part about open source. You, know, you get enough people and buzz around a project, you'll you'll be amazed at the contributions that, that we've had. I, I'm part of the maintainers of Defect Dojo, OS Defect Dojo, and yeah, we've had we're up to 150 different tools that we'll parse from like output of security tools, and that's a lot of that is community contributions, right? Because somebody has yeah. Dojo and has a tool that we haven't made a parser for yet, and they'll just write one and contribute. It's it's beautiful. And what, what kind of help are you looking for? If we were to do a call out to the community and say, hey, you know, the Caraza, the Caraza team could use a little love and, and help and assistance. What, what areas are you looking for? What kind of contributions would be useful? I think to be honest, more hands. I mean, we really have a lot of work and we have a lot of work regarding the connectors. Uh, we don't have maintainers for most, for our connectors. The only con connector with a maintainer is the, um, uh, the envoy connector, the proxy wasm. So it would be really appreciated to have someone maintaining the, the other connectors. Also, in general, bug fixing and testing is also really appreciated. Also, our, our test suite is super strong. We are still finding bugs, so and people were still finding bugs, and we really appreciate each report. Even as a user, you can contribute to the project. Yeah, I think that's pretty much appreciated. When people try the product and come up with a bug, we, are, we, we love that part, I would say. We also try to make it easier for users, right? Providing a sample projects where you can reproduce your bug. We're also moving to a very interesting direction because we maintain the Corazza library uh, as a team, but also need to maintain the docs. And, you know, getting docs in sync with the library is hard. So we started this approach of generating the docs out of the code, but that, that requires some tooling that you have to craft yourself. And yeah, we, we are also appreciate help with the, with the documentation. Nice. That would be cool. And yeah. I'm assuming this is above and beyond kind of the, the Go docs you get rather easily from the Go language, right? This is, this is and not to knock Go docs, but this is more like proper read it kind of docs. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's yeah, more like the website, corasa.io. Yeah, there are like a hundred pages of documentation. It's uh, a lot. Yeah, and, it's really uh, a lot. Yeah, I was I was impressed considering the age of your project, the amount of documentation you had. So props to you for doing that because I've seen older projects with less docs. So that's a good plus one for you guys. Well, I think yeah. that's mostly Juan Pablo work because yeah, when I joined it, like the docs were already there. I just <laughs> came up with this idea of generating docs out of code. But documentation was, I was also surprised when I saw the documentation when I first checked the, the project website and I was like, oh, this guy spent quite a lot of time on docs. Yeah, but I, it's not a coincidence. I, I actually believe the only way to be taken serious as a project is if you have a serious website with serious documentation. It, it, it's key on our project. In a, in a past life, so to speak, uh, around 2008, I did a project for OWASP called the OWASP Live CD, where I bundled up a whole bunch of AppSec tools into a Live CD back when Live CDs were cool. And man, the variation in quality in security tool documentation and just even building the thing or getting it installed was, 
interesting. So I have a great appreciation for people who do good documentation because there's a lot of interesting challenges I had bundling up the software. Is there anything I've I've left off or missed? I want to make sure I covered all the points. I think I've I've run through everything that we we talked about prior to starting recording, but I wanted to make sure I, there's not anything that I haven't asked you about that you wanted to make sure we talked about. Have I left something out? I think it's important to mention that WAF is becoming a first class concern very soon because of PCI compliance reasons. So do check WAFs. Choose what suits for you, and definitely if you want to choose Corasa, like we are here to help you and to guide you through in, in the journey of implementing WAP. I think given the complexity of the deployment that we have nowadays with the cloud-native landscape, Kubernetes, Istio, security becomes like postponed. That's a mistake, but I understand where people come from. Like It's already many balls jiggling. So, but yeah, do, do take your time to choose a WAF solution, to use it, come by Corasa. let's learn together. Also, also Corasa is on a release candidate version for its V3. V3 is highly stable, and the only things that are going to change are low-level APIs that probably no one's ever going to touch. So really feel confident to use it, and if there are changes, it will be super minor. It's a super stable product. Excellent. So I forgot, I this is the second time I've done it to my guests, and I'm going to apologize in advance. But there's something I do at the end of all the podcasts. Maybe you've listened and you already know. If you haven't, I have this random deck of cards that has Ooh. these little questions on them. And I'm going to randomly draw one and ask you guys the same question. And it has nothing to do with OWASP Caraza, Golang, or even application security. So these are just kind of, I, I like doing this as a fun little bit of color at the tail end of the podcasts. Oh, you got the king of spades. So let's see what you have here. If you could identify one, oh, if you could identify with one fictional character from a book, a show, or a movie, who would it be? Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. He's the best. I, I, I hate to say this for our audio listeners, but JP has way too much hair to be Jean-Luc Picard. And not enough wine. Yeah, no, but he's a great character, a great admiral. His character is is yeah, great, he's charismatic. He he has great leadership and I think he, he's a great character. Also he likes wine and he's a has a wine ring. <laughs> a wine yeah. How about you, JC? Who would you who would you identify with? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I will, I think I will choose a manga character, like, uh, for example, Shiryu in uh, Saint Seiya. And the reason I choose character, which is back from my, from my childhood, it was a popular series, uh, TV series uh, back then, is because if, if you watch the anime, it's a few, five kids that fight with different enemies and they never surrender. Never, ever. No matter whether they are in difficulties, no matter whether the difference in power is, is huge. Like, they never surrender. They always stand up after every fall. So I try to do that in my life. I, I think I learned that from my mother. So yeah, I try to keep doing that. Awesome. Man, awesome. I I, I love these cards <laughs> for the, the answers <laughs> I get because it, it keeps people on their toes. And you get to hear, I mean... 
I'm, I'm assuming people are listening to the OWASP podcast because they're technical and it's kind of fun to step outside of that domain. This has been super fantastic. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to have a conversation with me. And any last final thoughts? Just come by Coraza. We are a super fun community. We don't bite. Yeah, we don't bite. <laughs> we, we don't have cookies, but we don't bite. Excellent. Well, thank you again for your time. And uh, I will talk to you later. Good luck with the project. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, it was fun. I'd like to thank Defect Dojo Inc. for making it possible for me to record this episode. Defect Dojo Inc. is a team of experienced technology and security professionals who build tools that actually provide peace of mind. They want all humans to sleep better knowing that their work is effective, their progress de-risked. Defect Dojo's flagship software offering is a security automation and vulnerability management platform that serves as a single source of truth. It can import results from more than 150 different security tools. It is a leader in the space with over 30 million downloads. Contact them at defectdojo.com for more information about their products and services.